mad at myself, um, trying to punish myself with yeah. the kind of um, just don't talk to me, don't be nice to me, I don't deserve anything, I said that wrong thing. Mm. And Dan would look at me and say, Sarah, I'm confused genuinely. Um, if you believe that Jesus is you know, who he says he is and that you are who he says you are, I'm confused about why you're taking on more punishment that he, than he already took for you. Mm. And I would say, how? How can you move on? He mm. said, because it was already paid for. I know it's not something I deserve, but it's something that's true. And I get to move on now mm. because Jesus has forgiven me. Welcome to the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. You know, one of the privileges of being a part of Torchbearers is that because there's 25 centers, there's such a neat fellowship with each other, and there's opportunities for us to actually travel to different centers. And that's what's happening this week. Arlene and I are actually at Timberline, which is the Torchbearer Center in Fraser, Colorado. And uh, so we're here for a, a week-long uh, Bible conference. It's an uh, adventure week for the guests, so they have different activities that they can do. And I thought that while I was here, it would be great if I could interview a couple of the staff who are here for our podcast, and that's what we're doing. We have Sarah Thomas with us. Sarah has um, been, uh, well, she's been here on staff for how many years, Sarah? Fifteen now. Fifteen years. You will uh, probably wonder, with her last name being Thomas, does she have any tie-in with the Thomas family of torchbearers? And she does. She's married to Dan. Uh, I introduced Dan to, the, to our listeners um, a few months ago who uh, gave his testimony and also shared in a devotion. Uh, and so I really, you know, just coming here, just thinking through and praying who to talk with, uh, Sarah came to mind. And so Sarah, welcome here. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, good. It's good to have you. Sarah, um, now you, this is really fun for me because I know you and we've, we have visited, I've been in your house, but we've never really talked about your life. And, right. you know, with so many of the people I've interviewed, I, you know, I've, I've known bits and pieces of theirs. So I'm really, this is really exciting for me because I have really no idea, you know, what we're going to talk about. And so, uh, you know, just the Lord put you on my heart and I, and, you know, the little conversation we had before we started recording, I'm already thinking this is, this is going to be neat. Um, Sarah, tell us, uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in the northern suburbs of Chicago for most of my young life and uh, moved there when I was young. I was born in Minneapolis, um, but I would say I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. Okay. And did you grow up in a Christian home? I grew up in a Christian home in the sense that my parents were believers. Um, they came to know the Lord in an astounding way when a neighbor witnessed to them at the front door uh, knocked on their door, told them about Jesus, and they had the bravery to look at their own lives and realize they had the need for a Savior. Growing up, both of my parents grew up in non-believing homes and had nothing to base faith on, and so that, that was their first encounter with Christ. Mm. And it's really astounding to me to look back and to hear those stories. When I was just a baby, my parents came to know the Lord. At the same time, all they knew was that church was something that you do as a Christian, and that was uh, the extent of it for them. So mm. they would go to church, and they would faithfully um, listen and um, bring their children to church, and I would go to Sunday school and learn Bible stories, um, but it was limited. Okay. And 
it was only later in their lives that my parents really started growing in their faith. Mm. And they just had only what they had to offer me. And it was pretty much church going. And that was dependent on the teachers and leaders in that church and, and how much we were going to understand about Jesus's involvement in our everyday life. Okay. So uh, how old were you when your parents became believers? I think I was one year old. Okay. I was a baby. Okay. So what was it like then for you personally, just growing up in this church? What, what was your walk with the Lord like then? Yeah, I think I just knew with my young perspective that the Bible had very interesting stories to tell about Hmm. what happened in the past with God and his people. Um, Not sure I connected it much with the reality of my life Um, in terms of those stories of Jonah and the great fish or um, Noah and the ark or David and Goliath would really relate to my life. And so maybe a little impersonal. Okay. Um, But there was some reverence there. And when I was five years old, after going to Sunday school and hearing about the need to be forgiven in order to go to heaven, I was very convicted that I needed to pray the prayer. And I did that with my parents Mm. one night in my bedroom. Okay. And felt that was significant to have at least prayed the prayer in my young mind. That was the important thing to do, to verbalize, to talk to God about it, and to kind of officially give my life to Him. Sure. Which happened when I was five, I think. (laughs) And then, uh, yeah, and then after that, you know, it's the working out of the Christian life that was interesting and confusing and... Okay. Yeah. So then how, what was that? Like working that out um, as, you know, growing up in school and... You know, the, yeah. the things that we all face in, you know, those young years. What, what was that like then, working out Working what this out meant? my faith, yeah. I think um, just to fast forward a little bit, we, you know, that happened in Minneapolis when I was very young. And then when I was about seven, moved to Chicago where um, just started to kind of become my own person, as happens when you become a young teenager and are entering high school and then figuring out friends and really who you are. I remember there was a few moments of my life where I would realize, you know, my parents don't know everything and they weren't really right about that one thing (laughs) they just decided. And that was a really important moment for me to realize, okay, these are my parents and they've, you know, been over me and instructed me, but they're fallible people and they, they make mistakes. And I think I need to figure out as an adult how to live my own life. And as that started to happen, unfortunately, I would say um, the Bible stories that I learned when I was young weren't very prevalent in my mind. I was more interested in living for myself and having fun and being liked. Sure. And uh, those were top priority to me in early high school. And I've always loved people genuinely and have had an easy time socially. And so those were good years of just having fun and figuring out... um, how to connect with people and how to have a good time. When I was 14, 15, that turned into experimenting with drugs and drinking and um, and just kind of trying things with the people that I was hanging out with. Not with a very evil intent, I would say, but just trying to live my best life. Okay. Um, yeah, and so it was in the middle of that season that I found myself in a little bit of a pickle with the law and with my parents eventually. (laughs) 
Um, praise God for that because, you know, who knows if I had kept going on that track okay. where I would have ended up. But that's all part of my story because um, when I got in a lot of trouble and I was kind of stopped from doing the things that I was very used to doing every day, um, that I had to stop and think. Um, so I'm not, I'm making people upset and I'm, I'm uh, getting in a lot of trouble and I'm being stopped. And why is that, that we can't just live the way we want to live? It was then that I, I think some of those Bible stories started to just kind of resurface and, and I started to wonder what those really could have to do with my life, my everyday life. Okay. Um, you know, always calling myself a Christian because I had asked Jesus to forgive me. Still and, going to church and all of this? Uh, I think maybe somewhat. Okay. Um, but yeah, not, my heart wasn't in it. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then... It wasn't until after I found myself in a whole lot of trouble and I think a lot of pain that I started asking the, the real questions of life um, about why am I here anyway mm. if it's not to have fun? And, wow. and how come I can't just make my own decisions and it all work out for me? Um, and I just had to kind of start to grapple with how, life's questions. How old were you during all of this? I was 16 when I was in a lot of trouble. Okay. Um, which is wild because I have a 17 and 18 year old daughter now. So it's fun to, to look at their life and remember where I was. But, you know, I was a prideful, uh, I knew everything. I knew everything about everything, about okay. my life and about everybody else's life, um, which gave you, gives you a little snapshot into who I was. Um, but I was also fun loving and um, just was having a good time. And so when that wasn't working out, I really wanted to know why. I wanted to think through the whys of life for the first time ever. And I wanted to understand, you know, something has to make sense about life. And so my mind really started to think, okay, if there's truth out there, if truth is what truth is by definition, then one thing is true. And something has to be true about why I am existent and why I have this life and this personality. And I wanted to figure that out. And it was only after I got in trouble that I started w really figuring that out and mm. searching for those answers. Okay. And so I searched and searched and talked to a lot of people. And I wanted to learn about all the animism religions. And I wanted to understand Islam. I wanted to look into, you know, all the different sects of, you know, Christianity. I wanted to understand what the Bible said. What is, you know, what about evolution? Could it be true? And I started looking into it all because I wanted to know why I was alive. Okay. So in looking, were you just personally privately looking into all of these or did you actually have people leading you through all of yeah, this? Yeah, I think I was both. I think I was personally privately doing probably a lot of journaling and okay. um, uh, processing and just asking lots of questions. And then publicly as well. There was a few other friends who were kind of asking the same questions after getting in similar situations with me and we were kind of asking together you know what then is life all about and so started seeking out those answers and i think that's where the lord's hand uh, became really evident in the people that i started talking to being believers having a heart for you know wayward high school kids like me okay um who were willing to sit down and talk about it some people who are very um ap apologetic whizzes i mean they they knew all the apologetics of why the bible's true and why jesus was hmm. legitimate 
And, you know, because of his existence, is, is he a lunatic? Is he a liar or is he the Lord? Because yeah. he has to be one of the three. Right. And I started going through Josh McDowell's book, you know, More Than a Carpenter. And I, I started to just wanting the proofs. I was really into knowing the truth and wanting the proofs at the very beginning of my walk because I didn't want to invest myself in something that wasn't true. Okay. Wow. That's some pretty deep thinking for a teenager. For a 16-year-old? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah, I think it was important to me. And uh, maybe I think the Lord put it on my heart and then led me to certain people that did start to point me to truth and had a passion to not allow kids like me to get stuck in something that wasn't true. Okay, so where did the Lord take you with all of this? Well, a few places, different youth groups and different leaders of different people that kind of claimed, yeah, if you're in a situation, come chat with me. Let's talk about God, you know. And often those people were the Christians, which is fantastic. Ended up in a coffee shop um, with some friends of mine that were leading it and for this reason, started it for this reason okay. to, to reach young people for Christ. I didn't know that. <laughs> and, and as I was in there chatting and asking all my questions, I'm sure they were thrilled to sit down with me and, and help me sort through it. Sure. And yeah, I don't know if you're ready for this in the podcast, but... Um, but it was there in, in that coffee shop that I'm referring to that Romans 6.23 was laid out for me on the, on the piece of paper that was on the coffee shop table. Okay. I had already walked through uh, evolutionism and understanding some of the major religions and trying to wrap my brain around, well, why would that be true? And why would that be true? And how could that be true? Evolution, how could that be true? Mm. Uh, you know, the eyeball is so complex. I mean, we can't even, <laughs> how could this all have blown up right. into existence yeah. without an intelligent designer? And so asking all those questions, it was a friend of mine who laid out Romans 6.23 on a piece of paper with a chasm in between, you know, one side of a chasm and the other side of a chasm, like a big, I don't know how to explain that on podcasts. But he wrote out, Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. And he wrote those three words out. The wages of sin is death. And he said, then the other half says, but the gift of God is eternal life. And he wrote those things on the other side of the chasm. And he said to, he said to me, Sarah, what's a wage? And I said, well, I don't know. It's a payment for what, what you get when you work and someone gives you the payment that has been agreed upon that you deserve, right? Cool. That's what a wage is. The wages of sin, what's sin? Well, I don't really know. Found out it's anything less of perfection. Mm -hmm. uh, anything missing the mark of perfection. Right, yeah. And I said, oh, okay, so, so what you get and what you deserve from missing the mark of perfection is death. And this is where we are as humankind. And I think in the place that I was in, in searching and trying to understand truth, that made sense to me. Okay. I think I was seeing my own you know, wickedness of heart, selfishness innately, you know, going out in life just to have fun and really hurting people in the process. And I saw that I was on that side of the chasm, mm. that what I deserve for missing the mark is death. And then he said, but there's something cool that I want to talk to you about and that we wanted to tell you about. And it's that there's another side to the story. Just like you talked about this morning in class, God initiates. And, and he is giving us a gift of, of life. And mm. it says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Okay, Sarah, what's a gift? And then we went through it again. And I said, well, I guess it's something somebody gives you. Yeah, do you repay them for the gift? No, never. You never think to repay them. Do you pay for it? No. 
It's free. Mm. The gift of God is life. Well, at this stage in my searching and my understanding, I think I really understood that to be life after death. Okay. And I, and I thought, wow, yeah, I don't deserve that. And, uh, and I really want that. If, if I can't figure it out here, you know, I want to get it right with God so I can have it someday. Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, understanding what eternal life really is um, has been coming in the years after that. Okay. And so the gift of God is eternal life. And this is being offered to you for free, even though you don't deserve it. Wow. How do I get it? Yeah. Through Christ Jesus. And then the explanation of why and how that Christ's life is the sacrifice that I need and that I could never get myself. And so in that moment, in that coffee shop, understanding that Jesus, this man I'd heard about in Sunday school, actually walked on the ground that I was looking at in that coffee shop. He walked on the same earth that I'm on. And this story was true. And I started to recognize the gravity that he was here. He did live that life and he did die that death for me. Mm. And I just lost it. I just started bawling. Wow. And so as a, I think I was 16 or 17 at the time. And I just, I just fell on the ground on the dirty ground of the coffee shop and just started making a puddle mm. of tears. Mm. And I was distraught because I had recognized for the first time that I had really spit in the face of the one who'd loved me in my own selfishness. Wow. And so for me, that was, you know, a really genuine uh, conversion moment in a sense. I don't think what happened when I was five was insignificant, but I also think that this was very significant for my heart okay. to understand and to talk to Jesus personally, to recognize that he's not just a Bible story, mm-hmm. but he has something to do with my life right now and that he loves me and he's offering me this gift. He, even though he knows me and, mm. and I know myself now. And so I guess coming to that point where I knew myself and I knew that he knew myself and that he loved me anyway and offers me this gift that I could never earn myself. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was an important moment for me. So what was the rest of your high school years like after that then? Yeah, so after that, um, again, I was, I was a real mess of a Christian at that point. Um, I think the Lord was smiling and um, probably maybe laughing at me a few times because I was, I think, still smoking cigarettes and swearing, but also really excited about Jesus. And um, I was kind of an interesting dichotomy of a person at the time, and that's okay. Um, But slowly I started um, going to church and going to youth groups. I would kind of get involved in anything that was going to teach me more about who Jesus is or what the Bible says. Okay. And that brought me to church youth groups. You know, I probably was going to three or four things a week, just trying to soak it in, soak it in, learn, learn, learn. Okay. And I think um, that process was good. Um, I think my heart longed for some of the right things. Um, and yet I think I was going about it um, in a way that wasn't going to be able to last. It wasn't... Um, How so? Yeah, so... Um, I had written in my daily schedule, you know, um, in the morning I had an hour of, um, reading the Bible and I wrote that in, you know, and then I would check that off like a, a teen, you know, (laughs) and then I would also have at the end of the day, an hour of praying and I would do that and I would check that off and that was part of my day. Um, and you know, 
I probably thought, wow, like I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, I thought, you know, if anything, Jesus just deserves this from my life, mm -hmm. right? Right. Uh, quite an arrogant thing to think, but I, uh, I was, you know, thinking I was doing a really good job for him. Right. I really wanted to do a good job right. for him. And for a while, it, I kept I remember it up. As, as a child, in my growing up in church I grew up in, there was a, our offering envelopes. Yes. That we, and, that, and each one, that there were certain things to check off on the, on the envelope, like um, uh, giving. Well, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm doing with this, so I check that box off. Uh, Bible brought. Well, I check that off. Bible read daily. <laughs> check that off. And, you know, and I noticed, too, that, you know, all, all of us are sitting in our class, you know, putting money in the envelope, checking all these boxes off. And, and sometimes I would kind of hide mine a little bit because I didn't want anybody to know that I wasn't reading my Bible daily. Right. And then sometimes I would justify it by saying, well, I'm going to do it this week. So I'd check them all off. <laughs> It's just, you know, it's, I, I, I get oh, where you're pressures. coming from. Yeah, you know, oh. and, you, and, and you feel like that's where, that's where the Christian life is yes. in, in what we're doing. Yes, yes. And it doesn't always come out of bad motives. No. To be wanting to read your Bible and right. wanting to pray and wanting to give all your money away because I trust the Lord 100%. Yeah. And, you know, I think those are, you know, I look at, yeah, I was young, and I'm, I'm kind of like, I would just want to talk to the Lord later about it all, but I think I was just a mess. But I, I don't, I'm not mad at myself for going through the process I went through, okay. and part of that was figuring out how to love the Lord, you know, in, in the ways that I felt He really deserved it, but I think that now I've learned more about what He's actually after. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, He doesn't really need me to be, um, of course, I want to be faithful, but he doesn't need me to be faithful, and those are the things that I, mm. you know, I've I've learned, and are they feel blasphemous to say, but he's the faithful one. Yeah. And until we start talking about and living in the fact that he's the faithful one and we're not, then everything we do is going to be done out of weird motives, and yeah. and it's it's not going to be a life that's either satisfying or attractive to anyone. Mm. And those are just things I've learned recently. Okay. So, yeah. high school years now. Did you go straight to Bible college after high school? Yep. So part of my kind of arrogant, um, I just want to know Jesus and love Jesus and serve Jesus and follow Jesus was I might as well just go to Bible school. I mean, I don't want to study anything else because what else is there to study? Okay. Now, again, I don't, I don't think that's the right mindset, but that's the mindset I had. And so I looked into Bible schools. I came from a high school of almost 4,000 kids. Okay. And all the Bible schools I looked into had like 50 kids or 33 <laughs> kids. And I did find a few bigger ones. Um, looked into Multnomah was big, yeah. uh, bigger at the time, not as big as my high school. Um, Moody Bible Institute and Columbia International University were kind of the three that I started looking into. And ended up at Columbia mm -hmm. International University with a missions major. Um, all I wanted to do is be a missionary because Jesus deserved it, right? Okay. And so, and he does. But um, I just wanted to give him my life and, and be used by him. And I figured, uh, forget marriage, forget, um, you know, occupation, uh, forget business, making money, whatever. I just want to do that. Okay. And in my ignorance, I, that was my motives of going to Bible school. And um, again, not all wrong, but not the full story either. Okay. Um, so so what, what was college like then? College was awesome. I'd recommend Bible college to everyone. Um, of course, 
I work at a gap year program now, and I would tell all young people to do that first. Um, but a four-year Bible school for me was awesome. Chapel every day, being in the Word. I think I'm just really dull-minded and need mm. reminding and um, need a lot of encouragement in my weak heart. And I think that was the foundation I needed to be encouraged and around a lot of really great other students okay. who became some of my you know, best friends yeah. and some of them I'm still in touch with 20 years later. And so, yeah, I loved it. I loved school. Okay. What did the Lord teach you there? Um, well, when I first got to school and started taking my, you know, beginning classes, probably Old Testament, New Testament, overview of the Bible, um, all the basic Bible classes, um, I think I was just trying to be a really good student and really enjoying um, learning about God, wanting to be faithful. I remember we started a little prayer group as a group of friends and really enjoyed it. Mm. Um, but again, just uh, didn't quite know what to do with myself when I would make a mistake or when I would say the wrong thing or gossip or hurt somebody. Okay. And I didn't quite know, you know, how in the world could I ever say I'm sorry to you, Lord, for being imperfect? Right. And I don't know how to do that because you don't deserve me to make those mistakes. You mm. are awesome. And when I'm not, I don't know how to handle myself. Um, I did meet um, a man named Dan Thomas okay. when I was a sophomore. And when we met, we became fast friends. We played soccer together. We had similar interests. We both were biblical language minors. And so we were in a lot of classes together. Mm. And... Uh, the long story can turn short here where we um, realized that the Lord was bringing us together. And that was, it blindsided me and I could share the whole story. I'm not sure if I should now, but it was really exciting, but also not something I was looking for. Okay. Um, and to It wasn't feel, part of your plan for God. No, no. Because I was going to be a single missionary right. in like Africa and yeah. just translate the Bible somewhere so people could know the <laughs> truth. So that's what I was going to do. But the Lord obviously had other plans and and with those plans came a ton of excitement and peace even though it was totally switching up my what i thought i was doing with my life right and so um dan and i got together and i didn't know anything about his history with torchbearers i didn't know even within months of knowing him i didn't know anything about torchbearers or okay. that he grew up at a center or that his grandfather started it or any of it right um, he was a very, very, is a very, very humble man. Right. And um, you, you will not find Dan name dropping or talking about his famous friends, you know, which right. he has. Right. And, um, and I really appreciate that about him because I'm prideful. And so mm. I look at that like, oh, that's really cool. So he and I started hanging out and really enjoying each other, talking about the Lord and realized that the Lord was doing this. So that was a new chapter in my life and our relationship got a little deeper in that we would start to face everyday life conflicts once in a while, right? Where either I would sin and he would see it or he would sin and I was affected by it. Mm -hmm. uh, and we had to start to just talk about some everyday real life uh, fallen world problems okay. for the believer. Now for me, I just, you know, I didn't have a lot of discipleship. I had a very real conversion experience in high school. Mm -hmm. And I loved Jesus very genuinely with my whole heart. But I wasn't yet discipled in knowing how to live the Christian life or enjoy it mm. in any way. I was just dutifully 
serving Jesus every day. And mm. I thought, you know, he deserves it. So even if this is hard or annoying or boring or, you know, lackluster, whatever, he's worth it. Okay. When I met Dan, and I think he maybe fell in love with my heart that loves Jesus, there was also parts of me that he he did not understand. Okay. And part of that was when I would make a mistake or he would make a mistake and I would proceed to beat myself over the head for days on end, um, mad at myself, um, trying to punish myself with the kind of um, just don't talk to me, don't be nice to me, I don't deserve anything, I said that wrong thing. Mm. And Dan would look at me and say, Sarah, I'm confused genuinely. Um, If you believe that Jesus is you know, who he says he is and that you are who he says you are. I'm confused about why you're taking on more punishment that he, than he already took for you. Mm. And, he, and you, you guys were dating at this point. We were like dating at this point. Okay. We had a strange dating relationship, but yes, I think we were close enough to be called dating. Okay. Um, you know, that word has its own uh, yeah, <laughs> definition. Yeah, it depends on who you talk to. <laughs> and, yeah. and every day and age, my kids think it's different than I think it is. But um, yeah, we were close enough to talk about these things. And he would say, yeah, I think this is something we need to figure out. And and when and when he made a mistake, I would also want him to pay for it. Okay. Okay. Well, well, <laughs> you need to feel really bad about that. And and he would say, you know, I do feel bad about it, but I think after I'm forgiven, I'm ready to move on. Mm. And I would say, how? How can you move on? He mm. said, because it was already paid for. I know it's not something I deserve, but it's something that's true, and I get to move on now mm. because Jesus has forgiven me, and I'm asking you to forgive me like Jesus does. I couldn't understand it. I didn't understand that way of thinking Mm. because I didn't come from a family that operated that way. And I didn't come from friends in my public high school that operated that way. And so it was kind of like operating out of what I knew socially in my Christian walk, which is so often the case. We have to relearn because so much of God's way of doing things is backwards from the world. Yeah, I I think for a lot of Christians, if not for all of us, there's there has to be a deprogramming. Yes. You know, because we take our we, we, we take our own understanding into the relationship. Yeah. And you know, like we've talked about some in the conference here, you know, our whole understanding of God, if we're not careful, it comes from our you know just our own parents. Yes. And and our expectation of Him, mm-hmm. and and we there needs to be that, you know, and the Lord's faithful to do so. You know, as we're seeking Him to deprogram and show us what's true. Yes, he is faithful to do that. Yeah. And I think all these steps in college, Dan's interaction with me and yeah. you know, those were all real instrumental, important, sweet leading from the great shepherd who, you know, mm. he guides us this way and pokes us that way. I think just so lovingly to teach us the little lessons. You know, Yeah, this, that's that's a neat picture. Yeah. yeah. It's really been how he's led us and mm. led me personally. I believe he's a very, very faithful shepherd. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Even when we are faithless. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to just rely on his faithfulness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, now, were you guys in the same year? Yes. Okay. Um, so Dan, though, took an extra year. Um, of course he did. Of course he did. Yeah. <laughs> so he studied even more than he had to. He went to Jerusalem for half a year yeah, and right. enjoyed that. Uh, t- he just took an extra year. He also did Cape and Ray Hall and Tarnhoff. 
and um, maybe all the credits didn't transfer the way he wanted or something, but he took five years. Okay. What did you do during that year? Yeah, I had one extra year. I worked in the Bible school. I knew at that point we were going to get married Okay. and um, took a few grad level classes. And actually that worked out really well for the next job I had. I needed those grad level classes and education because I ended up as an English teacher for a private oh, Christian school. Okay. Yep, that was our first job out of college. Okay, and where was that? That was in South Carolina, Greenville. Okay. Yep, still have some great friends from there. Really appreciate that little section of our life. We had our first child there, mm. you know, uh, within the first couple of years of marriage. And then you guys ended up in Milwaukee for a while, didn't you? It was Green Bay. Oh, Green Bay, okay. So we ended up in Green Bay um, helping to pastor a church with some more dear friends and um, really learned a lot in that season of life. Okay. A ton. Um, Dan felt it was important to pursue some sort of ministry work without being associated with torchbearers. Okay. Um, his dad had really encouraged him to get involved at a church if we could, just to learn church, um, mm -hmm. learn church everything, how it functions, how the reality of it, um, leading, pastoring, teaching, all the things. And so we got our hands in that in Green Bay, and it was super insightful. Um, probably not a perfect fit uh, for Dan, whose heart is is probably more in the discipleship ministry okay. of a torchbearer's context. Right. But while we were there, it, we were there about three years. We were pretty committed to be there about five. Our kids were young. Our two girls were two and four when our friend Joe, who was the head pastor at the church, pulled Dan aside and he just said, hey, Dan, um, I see you as a man of potential. I see your um, gift for teaching Bible just growing, and I'm excited about it. And I also see you in the role that you're in here at my church that I want you to stay at. I see you spinning your wheels a bit because mm -hmm. it's not a fit. Wow. He said, your kids are young. I don't want to lose you, but I also want to give you the freedom to look into torchbearers for the first time because until you do experience torchbearers yourself, you're going to see everything through the child lenses of torchbearers that you know, and you're going to be comparing everything to what you knew of torchbearers as a child. Right. You need to have some experience, probably at a center, and serve and see what God has for you because I don't think this is a fit, and I'm going to guess that that might be a fit, and I want to encourage you as one of your fathers in the faith to, to look into something else. Okay. So you guys came here. So we started looking around in torchbearers, and there was a job opening at Timberline Lodge, and they needed a principal. But first they you know, wanted to hire that person in as a dean of men, dean of students. And, and that's what we got hired to do Okay. 15 years ago. 15 years ago. Now, you've mentioned the girls. So your parents, you have kids. You have three kids. Yes, we have three children. Okay. Yep. And two girls, one boy. Yes. And... What's the Lord done with you guys, specifically you, as a mom? Mm, that's an open-ended question, Kelly. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that question, but I've learned so much. You know, chatting with Bible school students every year who are longing to get married and longing mm -hmm. to be parents. You know, and I remember being there. It's like, just so you know, when you get married, life gets more hard and more complicated in some ways. Of course, it's wonderful. When you have kids... Just triple that. Yeah. It gets complicated and hard and wonderful. Mm. And so, you know, my kids have taught me more about the Lord and about life than anything else. I, I can identify with that. <laughs> yeah. And it's been good. It's It's been good. And I, I will say 
when my kids were young, I'm not even sure I would have said yes to joining you in this conversation because I was a mess when okay. my kids were young. Not that the Lord wasn't in control. It was just the hardest thing when they were young and sick and couldn't communicate. And I was stuck at home kind of doing these tedious things with my young, young kids. And so now... Yeah, you know, this is really, pardon me, but this is, this is really not a go- going according to your original plan. Yes. I mean, you, you are not the single missionary, missionary in, you know, translating scripture. Right. You are married and you have children. Not only that, and... I live in a bougie town. This is a tourist <laughs> town. To go to Safeway is crazy expensive, you know, to yeah. get our groceries. And yes, it's nothing like I thought it would be. And nothing, I mean, it's, it's just way, way, way more wonderful than serving Christ could ever be. Okay, so how is that? How is that possible? Yes, then? how is it possible? Yeah. It, I don't deserve it, Kelly, and I, I don't think you know any of us do. Um, and I, I, I can only tell you that the lines have fallen in pleasant places for me somewhat because the Lord knows my weakness. Mm-hmm. And as I've understood my weakness more and more, my weaknesses of pride and my weakness of kind of maybe needing some more comfort than I thought I would need mm. or facing some fears I didn't think I had, when I was just in college, um, I've, I've realized that there's some places in my life, deep-seated places in my heart that I have a lot of fear and I have a lot of um, just like struggle with stuff that some people just don't struggle with. And I just wonder, this is just a guess, that the Lord maybe landed us here in a place. My husband can handle almost anything and I just am realizing how little I can sometimes handle in terms of my heart being stretched and my okay. uh, comfort being stretched. And, you know, uh, there's been times that finances have not been there. And, you know, and I just realized, man, maybe the Lord just knew how weak I was. And here I'm landed in this uh, place. Now, I don't want to give you the wrong picture. It has not been all easy um, to lead and to serve um, and to raise support as a missionary here and, and different things like that. I mean, there's been very difficult things but I think I just laugh because I think the Lord knew that if he sent me off to a third world country where it was very very hard I I just think I would have been more trouble for him than than I was worth (laughs) no I don't know but for whatever reason it's not mine to judge Um, we have landed here and in terms of physical comfort I mean we're we don't lack in terms of that and I have friends around the world that we support and pray for that that are like lacking so much and just um serving the lord with such great mm. hearts and faith and and we pray for them to keep that faith and to keep serving where they are called and but i believe the lord has called us here and we need to be faithful whether some days it's comfortable and some days it's very hard okay yeah so now that the kids are getting older um your oldest has graduated. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess the Lord's moving you into a, a new season now where you're taking on more responsibility with the center, actually. What, what, what is the position that you hold here now? Yeah, my official position is communications manager. Okay. And that's um, kind of fun because for years and years, I've done whatever work is needed. I've started the store. I've, um, you know, helped with organizing databases. I've helped with programming. I've helped with, you know, I mean, you name it. Blogging. Housekeeping. Blogging. Yeah. 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 
And as you know, as you grow um, and you realize what you're better at or what you enjoy more, I've realized that I, my passion is to tell people about what God's doing at Timberline. So that could come in the form of blogging or, you know, I send out our monthly email at Timberline, Mm -hmm. keep people posted about what's happening and so that they can just praise God with us and come back and be a Mm -hmm. part of it. So my worst, you know, feeling is when the Bible school isn't full and our guest groups aren't full. I'm like, well, people just must not know about it because it's so good what God's doing to change (laughs) lives here. And so I just want to tell people about it so that they have the option to be a part of it. Okay. So once I learned that that was kind of my passion in my heart, I just naturally fell into this place of communications. I said, we need to get an email out monthly and we need to tell people about the Bible school because we had done zero advertising in the past. Mm. And so it's just been kind of fun to dabble in it. I work in that role 10 hours a week and and I just I just really enjoy it. Okay. And what what's the Lord doing in your heart now? Mm. Well, personally, again, I could go in a, a million directions, but I think personally the Lord is telling me to rest and telling me to listen and obey. Um, you know, I don't know what he's going to say. I don't, under, I don't know when he's going to ask me to teach or ask me to not teach or ask me to, you know, lead women's class for a year or ask me to be a communications manager. And I think that he does guide, he does, um, guide me and lead me like a very, very faithful shepherd, sometimes burdening my heart for one thing and, and sometimes not. And, um, you know, there's seasons that my kids really need me in their teenage years. And there's times they would rather me not be as around. Uh-huh. And, and I just see his faithful leading because I have the freedom, maybe because I'm a wife and I don't have the role my husband has, mm-hmm. that I can kind of say yes to something and, and say no to something or, you know, my days change a little bit more than Dan's can. Okay. Uh, my seasons can change a little bit more. And so I think what I'm learning is to listen to the Lord. And it's always worth it. It's mm. not drudgery to say yes to the Lord, even if it's uncomfortable, because there's always a, a great outcome. Right. And, um, and so I think, I think that's been the, it's kind of a vague lesson, but trusting the Lord and listening and obeying is kind of the, the heart behind a lot of what I'm learning right now. Well, no, that's encouraging because, you know, I, you said in our conversation before we started the interview that you could identify with some of my testimony that I gave earlier in the week. And, mm-hmm. and I, I hear what you're saying. You know, there's, it, it's, it's difficult for some of us who have in our, you know, it's kind of part of our natural DNA to have everything lined up. Yep. You know, and, and to have again those boxes to check off. Yes. But to to come to that place where, you know, my identity is not in checking boxes, right. but in Christ. And what do you have for me today? Yes. Bob Hobson, who used to be a, a torchbearer speaker, part of the old guard, he's gone to be with the Lord now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he used to tell us every day I jump out of bed and drop dead. Hmm. This is your day, Lord. That's right. Where are we going? That's right. And part of that dying is realizing I might not be productive today if I say yes to the Lord. I might be stuck in a conversation all day with somebody who needs me or needs the Lord, really, not me. Or all those things. And and just waking up and saying, you know what, my day is as big as God in me. Wow. And and not as little as me and my checklist. Right. And so I think 
it's, it has been that excitement of sometimes I, you know, ask the Lord what he wants. And sometimes it's like, go out to lunch with this person. It's like, well, that's fun. Really? That's, <laughs> is yeah. that what I should do today? Yeah. Do that in my name and listen to my voice the whole time. Yeah. You know? And so I think, and then other times it's give up this thing that you think is yours, but yeah. it's not. And that's a little harder. Right. Um, but listening to him, I want to listen to him. Well, that's great. That's yeah. encouraging. Well, Sarah, thanks for your time. Yeah. Appreciate you, you doing this. You know, just so the listener knows, I just kind of threw this at Sarah last night. <laughs> and then we had to figure out, okay, where are we going to do this? We, uh, the, the reason the recording that you're listening to is not the same quality that we usually have is because this is some new equipment that we have for specifically this when I'm traveling that we can just clip these mics on and talk. So uh, we're sitting in this brand new uh, snack bar and souvenir shop at Timberline mm -hmm. and uh, it's it's really neat what they've set up here but thank you for being just so flexible to do this I mean you guys are hosting all these guests this week and you're willing to take out some time like this I really appreciate it oh our thank pleasure you, thank right. you for having me I hope that something I said will help someone somewhere to well, look to Jesus <laughs> you know when when we are encouraging people to Jesus how could it not be helpful mm -hmm. you know to mm -hmm. those that whose, whose hearts are open and really want to hear so thanks for doing that no you're welcome thanks for having me thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the his hill podcast you've been listening to our host kelly doherty along with sarah thomas we hope your heart was uplifted by sarah's story of how christ became her life for those of you who prayed for rain last week god definitely heard you Last Thursday, a storm quickly rolled in around dinner time and watered the earth for the first time in months. We lost power and packed the dining hall with campers and summer staff and had dinner in the dark and pulled out flashlights for chapel. What a memorable time. Please keep praying for rain and that this summer camp season will finish well. We have about two more weeks of camp left here and what a beautiful segment of life this summer has been. God is good, and this summer certainly showed that. Once again, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the His Hill Podcast. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ alumni, and be encouraged, our God is for you. I'm Lizzie, and we'll see you next week.